0: We're going to need you to plead guilty to this and to try to make that happen. The federal government raided our home with guns for little girls. They seized all of our assets via civil forfeiture. My husband was never charged with a crime, but in America, the government can seize your assets based on the suspicion that they're related to a crime. And the government in May of 2020 took every dollar we had and they didn't freeze it. Like they literally took it. And we didn't have the opportunity to fight to get it back until February of 2022.
1: Welcome to Shout Your Cause with Sally Hendrick, a digital magazine where you can get found, get heard, and get inspired with content that challenges us to be globally minded. Our focus is on raising awareness around social justice issues, cultural differences, and to bring you the people dedicating their lives to tackling challenging topics as their way of giving back. Let us be your advocate to make your voices heard around the world. Hey everybody, it's Shout Your Cause again. This is Sally Hendrick and I've got Amy Nelson with me, correct?
0: Yes, that's right. Yes,
1: awesome. And for any of you who've been following her on TikTok, and I'm not sure if you're on any other socials, um, Amy's story is very compelling because of this horrible situation with her husband's employment through Amazon and welcome.
0: Hello. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let's go into some of like, what was going on when your life before all of this happened with Amazon? Do you even, can you even think about it? It's always like
0: before the event, after the event. Yeah, I can still, um, I had, you know, a very full life. I was, I just turned 40 years old before everything happened with Amazon. Um, my husband, Carl and I were living in West Seattle, just like a suburb of um, the city of Seattle And um, we had four little girls who at the time were five, three, two, and eight months. So we had a bunch of little kids. Um, And I had founded a company in 2017. Everything with Amazon started in 2020, but in the three years leading up to that, I had transitioned from my own legal practice to founding a company called The Riveter, which was built with the idea of um, creating co-working and events and content. Uh, focused around working women who were, you know, building their own businesses or consulting or freelancing or had side hustles, but creating community for those women and giving resources to help them grow their businesses. So it had been a wild ride in the years leading up to the Amazon debacle. I had taken the Riveter from an idea to a company with like 130 employees. We'd raised $30 million. We built co-working spaces in six states. We had 10 spaces. We had tens of thousands of members. So, And then COVID happened. Um, COVID happened. You know, COVID happened. I said, like in Seattle, where the world really shut down on uh, Friday, March thirteenth, and that really kind of led to my business contracting a ton uh, and changing. And then two weeks later, the FBI knocked on our door.
1: So tell me a little bit more about the Riveter. I find that very interesting because I happen to be a coach for social media content for women entrepreneurs. And yes, I have that going. I also run an ads agency, social media ads.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, so, you know, I, I have, when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I'd been a litigator for a decade and in my own personal experience. I was kind of like, how do I do this? and parent and my husband travels all the time we don't live near family i think this is a something a lot of, of of people experience as they're navigating caretaking whether it's of kids or their own parents and you know their work years and i knew i wanted to work i loved working um but i was really struggling within corporate america where i had to be at a desk every day with a commute and wanted something with more flexibility and so i thought i would start my own legal practice which was not very creative but it's what i knew how to do and then I started going to classes on like how to start an LLC, you know, how to write a business plan. And all of these classes in the Seattle area were at spaces like WeWork, and they were all men. And having been a litigator and worked with all men, I was like, where are all the women starting businesses? I really want to talk to other women. Not that men are bad, but like I, I identified more with other women and wanted to talk to them. And so ultimately thought, well, maybe the thing to build is a space in a community where women who are building can bounce ideas off one another and We help one another and share resources. You know, we we often, so often in the Riveters spaces, we would have um, someone, you know, like you, Sally, like a social media consultant, pair up with an entrepreneur um, who was building a business and and work together, or um, we would have investors meet startup founders. Um, And so, you know, providing places for those connections to happen and opportunities. And so that was what the Riveter was based on.
1: Now, do you have any of that going anymore? Is that completely done or are you still working on it?
0: I am still working on it. It looks very different today. It's more of a lifestyle slash creator business of mine, um, but it's still rooted very much in the idea of like, how can we help women build their businesses or amplify their voices? I've come to the realization over the past three years that You know, we still live in a world where women's voices are often ignored, and that every woman has an expertise that they can share with the world. And maybe they want to share that expertise because they want to be heard more within their company as they climb the corporate ladder. Maybe they want it to be heard because they're an entrepreneur and like having an expert voice is free marketing. Maybe they want, you know, to do it because they have a book coming out. But I'm really passionate about helping women identify their expertise and then get that out into the world through social media channels, opinion pieces, keynote speeches, you know, all of those different things. There's a million ways to get the message out. And, you know, we hear about creators doing X, Y, and Z, but like, we're all creators, right? Like we are all creators in one way or another. And I think there's just a massive opportunity for women to take their own mic, create their own microphone and and share their expertise into the world.
1: Excellent. Would you rather work or would you rather play? If we're going to go through all of this business building stuff, it better be for something that we love doing, right? Take a moment to do this quick life purpose challenge to discover what makes you truly happy. It's free. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash life purpose. Now, what about the legal profession? Are you you seem to be like dusting off those books potentially <laughs> for maybe something going on in your life. What else could be going on?
0: I mean, when I left the law in 2017, I felt done with the law, but apparently the law was not done with me. Um, so I um in 2020, my husband's former employer, Amazon, accused him of a federal crime. Came out of nowhere for us. And you that might sound crazy to you. Like, how would you not know that you were about to be accused of a crime? But I can tell you all these years later that Amazon ended up suing my husband over these allegations. And a federal judge said that my husband had not even broken his Amazon employment contract, right? So like truly we were like, what the hell? Um, but the what the hell turned into a nightmare incredibly quickly, I believe, because of Amazon's power in the world. Um, and Amazon accused my husband of a crime to the Department of Justice. Department of Justice did not speak to my husband about Amazon's allegations, but accused, like, said, you've committed a federal crime. We're going to need you to plead guilty to this. And to try to make that happen, the federal government raided our home with guns for little girls. They seized all of our assets via civil forfeiture. My husband was never charged with a crime. But in America, the government can seize your assets based on the suspicion that they're related to a crime. And the government in May of 2020 took every dollar we had. And they didn't freeze it like they literally took it. And we didn't have the opportunity to fight to get it back until February of 2022. So for 21 months, we didn't have any of the money we'd earned in our life Um, in a pandemic. And uh, it was pretty horrifying. And then after DOJ seized our money, Amazon knew that. And then they sued my husband in civil court.
1: So what exactly were they trying to accuse him of?
0: so crazy. You would think it was like mass murder for all that happened to us, but they accused my husband essentially of criminally breaching his fiduciary duty to Amazon. Um It's called private sector honest services fraud. It's a crime I'd never heard of. It is like rarely, rarely char- like private. It's usually a crime. Public sector honest services fraud is like when a politician gets bribed to do something. And like you see that in the news kind of frequently, but private sector honest services fraud is this like very esoteric, rarely used criminal statute. Um, And over the course of many years, what we learned is that Amazon had broken a contract on February 19th with a real estate developer. And the only way they could break that contract, which was worth $500 million, is if the real estate developer pled guilty or was convicted of a felony. So that was on February 19th, 2020. And on February 20th, 2020, Amazon's lawyers met with the Department of Justice to seek criminal charges. Now, were they
1: only going after your husband or was there anybody else involved at Amazon?
0: Oh, their main target didn't work at Amazon. Their main target was this real estate developer that they broke the contract with. His name is Brian Watson. Um, And they said that Brian Watson paid my husband and another Amazon employee kickbacks in order to secure real estate development deals. Um, This didn't happen. And my husband's never been charged with this crime. Um, But Amazon, you know, went at that full bore. (laughs) Um, um, and so, because otherwise, if there is no felony of Brian Watson, if there's no fraud of, you know, the person they broke the real estate development contract with, they're going to owe him hundreds of millions of dollars. So they had a quite a financial incentive to try to go secure these felony charges.
1: Yeah. And And it seemed like that was the only out that they potentially had was to charge your husband with a federal crime. Yeah, and. I find it very disconcerting that they were able to meet with the Department of Justice or is it the Department of Justice so many times.
0: Yeah. And Um, trump up
1: these, these accusations. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, a little
1: bit more about that.
0: I think, um, Sally, one thing that's really, really interesting in my family's case, and if I was an outside observer and not living it, I would find it even more interesting rather than terrifying. But um, usually when someone accuses you of a crime to the Department of Justice, the Department of Justice, like, first of all, decides if they'll even meet with you and listen to your crime. Like if you think about the Olympic gymnasts, the dozens of them that said Larry Nasser raped them and. No one listened to them, right? So the Department of Justice doesn't even have to listen to you, but if they do listen to you, usually you meet them with them like one time and then they go off and independently investigate the alleged crime. Now. The other thing that happens usually is that when you're accused of a crime to the Department of Justice, like you never really get to see like what the accuser said to the Department of Justice, like you're not privy to the communications, like emails between DOJ and the accuser. But here, because Amazon sued my husband in civil court, there's a process called civil discovery where you exchange facts over the allegations. And in 2022, Amazon had to produce to my husband all of their communications with the Department of Justice. And public filings show that Amazon lawyers, led by a former federal prosecutor, met with federal prosecutors over 100 times trying to secure these criminal charges. I mean, it is amazing to me that a resource-constrained agency like the Department of Justice had the space and time for over 100 meetings for Bezos lawyers. But I've learned in my own research that, um, in fact, Amazon has secured federal criminal investigations of over 65 Americans over the past three years, including like Amazon landlords, Amazon sellers, Amazon seller consultants, Amazon employees, like all sorts of people in Amazon's orbit.
1: Do you have a dog learn unleashed potential dog training secrets with Duke Ferguson? This free video series will get you pro training tips, So you can get your dog's attention, eliminate behavioral problems and enhance your relationship in just 20 minutes a day. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash dog trading. How is it that you know that they've done this with other people? Where where do you get that information?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's really funny. A friend of mine the other day was like, you know, uh, Nancy Drew was able to do what it took two Hardy boys to do. And you kind of remind me of Nancy Drew. It's like, that's funny. And I loved Nancy Drew as a kid. But so I um, did a lot of research. Like Part of my coping mechanism for surviving this really horrifying experience has been to just try to research and pin down the facts and understand how this happened. And um, I was like Googling one day, like Amazon and DOJ or something. And started seeing these stories about, like, other situations. And so then I eventually went to every, um, the Department of Justice, every district. There's, I don't know how many districts, say, like, there's 40 or there's, no, probably like 100 districts in America with the Department of Justice. And each district, like, has a lead attorney and then other prosecutors under it. And they each have a website and they have press releases when they indict someone or when they win a victory. Um, They, they put a press release out. And I went to every single... <laughs> Department of Justice, like division website and search for Amazon and collected all of these press releases. And then I went and you can look at court documents from federal courts in America on a system called Pacer. You have to pay 10 cents a page, but um, and went and read about all these cases and, and you could see in some of them, like you could, there was like proof that Amazon had referred the cases to DOJ or Amazon issued press releases talking about how they'd referred the case to DOJ. And it was just like, this is kind of crazy. And then I went to LinkedIn, started looking at all the former federal prosecutors and FBI agents that worked at Amazon. And it's like hundreds of former federal prosecutors and FBI agents work for Amazon. And you're like, why? Right. It's very strange.
1: That is very strange. And the fact that you did so much research, it kind of reminds me when COVID first started, I used to be an actuary. So I was very familiar with the way that diseases ah. follow a pattern and the, the data and everything. And I went through, I went all kinds of countries and I looked through every state and I was comparing to the news of what was going on. So I can imagine that I'm I'm the same way in that when you're presented with something that is so stressful and so difficult and traumatic to go through that you dig in and just try to get as much information as possible. So I very much can relate to that. Turn what you know into what you do. Join the platform with the most ways to monetize what you know, whether it's online courses, coaching, memberships, podcasts, newsletters, communities, or more. Kajabi gives you all the tools you need to build, market, and sell it with just a few clicks. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash Kajabi. That's K-A-J-A-B-I. How did how was that when you found out that they had gone to the Department of Justice that many times? How did that make you feel at the moment Were you just was it all at once you found out, found this out?
0: Yeah, it was all at once. It felt terrifying. It felt like. Oh, wow, like what's going on here that this is so like hey, why, does it, why do Amazon's lawyers have this kind of access to the Department of Justice? Because that feels wrong. It feels like the DOJ isn't independently investigating, but rather like being directed by Amazon. Um, and it was just like, we didn't even, my husband didn't stand a chance, you know? And in fact, like he did stand a chance because the truth was telling and he was never charged with a crime. But like what we had to do to get to that point is stunning. You know, like what we had to survive to prove his innocence, right? Which because I always thought in America, you are innocent until proven guilty, but that is not here. It's like Amazon said this crime happened and it feels as if the Department of Justice like worked very hard to back into what Amazon needed it to do, you know? Um, Rather than like, I feel like if there's a crime, it should be like somewhat easy to prove. This is over some real estate transactions that happened between 2017 and 2019. It's almost 2024. Like it's not, you know, like some like nuclear ingredient mix or something. It's like some real estate deals that Amazon yeah. kept, that Amazon captain has also. Like FYI, um, so it just felt very terrifying. That's I guess is the best way to put it.
1: Now you, this actually uprooted you out of Seattle and you moved to Ohio. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. So um, we um, our our money was seized in May of 2020. And then Amazon sued my husband in July of 2020. So we were paying lawyers both to like try to deal, convince the DOJ he didn't commit a crime, but then also in the Amazon civil case and we had to pay for our children. And um, I realized a few months after Amazon sued my husband that we needed to sell our house to pay lawyers. And so uh, we packed five bags, put everything in storage and left the city where we'd built companies and created hundreds of jobs and where we'd intended to raise our daughters. And we went and stayed with my sister and her family in California. Um, all six of us were <laughs> in one room. And then we ended up flying across an ocean to go stay with my husband's family for a year. And then we came to Ohio to stay with my parents um, in 2021.
1: Wow. And now are you still there or have you since moved out?
0: Well, we're still in Ohio and we are renting a house down the street from my parents. Um, and, you know, like, like unintended, like just consequences of this that will last forever, right? Because like we owned our home in Seattle, it was a massive stretch for us to buy that house. The Seattle housing market was nuts, even in 2016, 2017, put down 10%, got private mortgage insurance. And at the time, the mortgage interest rates were 3%. And then we had to sell that house. Now we try to buy a house, the mortgage interest rates are 8%. Over the life of a home, that's so much money. That's my daughter's college education.
1: I got caught up in that myself and that we actually had a second mortgage. We didn't have a first mortgage. But we had a second mortgage to do renovations. And then the interest rate kept going up and it hits that loan directly. And so yeah. our payment kept going up by hundreds of dollars every time. And it was like, what the heck is going on? And so we ended up having to actually refi. And we had to take one of those higher interest rates, uh, so sorry. Uh, that was unfortunate. We didn't. We probably didn't look at it the right way when we first started our renovations, but yeah, it is what it
0: is. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now you were recently on Rosie O'Donnell's podcast. I noticed that, and I listened to some of it. Tell me more. How did that end up happening?
0: Yeah. So you know, usually when someone's accused of a crime, like lawyers are like, be quiet. Don't say anything. You know, I haven't been accused of a crime. Um, but you know, I would think a lot of lawyers would tell me to be quiet talking about my husband. But in this situation, like no one disputed, like my husband didn't dispute what happened. And he was very clear about what happened and we knew the truth. Um, and you know, it also really impacted my career. Um, like I was fired from a job over it that I got, um, during the pandemic to try to pay lawyer bills. Um, And anyway, so eventually, you know, I was like, I want to talk about this. Like, I don't want to be silent anymore. I want to go talk about this. And so I decided to talk about it on social media. And I had from the, from growing the Riveter, I had like, you know, 20,000 followers on Instagram, um, 10, 15,000 on on Twitter. Um, and I was telling the story and it was, you know, people were listening, but like, I kept thinking, God, the story is so much easier to tell on video. And I did not have a TikTok and I thought TikTok was like a dancing app. but eventually um like 10 months ago I was like you know what I'm gonna just start a TikTok talking about this and I had no idea what would happen but I have about 150,000 followers now Mm -hmm. and like as you know Sally like I detail like complicated legal things on my TikTok like it's not like it's not a fun TikTok I'm like okay so you know this happened and I'm constantly looking at documents and analyzing things and it's cathartic for me and it helps me um but one of someone you know who started following me on TikTok was Rosie O'Donnell and she really followed along for quite some time and I think, you know, learned and and believed me um, and invited me onto her show to talk about it, which was it was a great experience. Obviously, Rosie's like an icon, um, but also like the thing I love about Rosie O'Donnell, she's very much not afraid of the status quo of those in power. And she wants to tell stories that she believes matter. And a lot of people aren't like that. And so and in her position. And so I really, really respect her.
1: Yeah, she's definitely an advocate through and through for uh, underdog causes, and I would say this would be considered an underdog cause. Here you are fighting Amazon. <laughs> this yeah. is massive, massive corporation, if not the biggest one these days. I don't know. I don't it's know. It's one of the
0: top three. It's huge. One I the, mean, it's very big, yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you want to stand out from the crowd with your content? Come discover how to market yourself as an expert as a change maker, as a positive influence on other people's lives. With the Exponential Marketing Club, you will learn the ins and outs of content marketing that makes a difference in the world. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash club. What's going on with your husband now and what's he doing in his work?
0: Yeah. So, you know, this has been just devastating for his career. He, you know, prior to Amazon coming after him, I think he built more data centers than anyone in the world. It's a really exciting and interesting um, arena to be in, like pretty new. Um, And so it was really hard for quite some time, but my husband is the most resilient person I know. And he's back out there working and building and I'm so proud of him. Um, And anybody who works with him would be lucky because he knows more about data centers than anyone. Um, and so he's just, you know, I can't imagine being him and having to get up every day and knowing that like all these people just think you're a criminal because somebody said you were, you know, and what that, mm-hmm. what that means and what that does. Um, it's funny. I was, do you watch Yellowstone?
1: I don't, but I guess, I've but like
0: never, you. I'd like never watched it. And I've been watching it lately while I work out and I love it. And it's really great. It's very over the top, but it's really great. And there was this moment where like something really bad happened to one of the main characters and one of the other characters was like immediately was like how can i help and i thought in that moment it's like i really wish that that is how the majority of people we knew had reacted to what happened to my husband how can i help what do you need and it just wasn't and so that was like a very transformative experience our our family and many dear friends that was their immediate reaction and has been always but to but to some very close friends it wasn't Um, To some people we thought were like family, it wasn't. And uh, yeah, like that was a really, been a really hard part of this.
1: Wow. Yeah. I guess you find out
0: who's
1: (laughs) there for you and who's not when you have a situation like that, such a turning point. Yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like to share that you want the world to know about your family, about your case, about, you know, where you are at this point?
0: Yes. So actually, um, I would love for everybody to follow me on TikTok. I'm at Amy underscore K underscore Nelson. And the reason I'm continuing to talk about what's happening to my family is I have really two goals. One, I want to prevent Amazon from doing this to anybody else because it was almost impossible that we survived. And I don't think big companies in America should be allowed to dismantle American lives and try to imprison people to get out of paying contract damages. Um, And like, But like more writ large, I mean, corporate power in this country is stunning. Um, and I, I just think we need to hear more of these stories. So we put it in check. Um, and then second, I mentioned the government had seized our bank accounts for 21 months under this, um, legal protocol called civil forfeiture. I didn't know civil forfeiture existed in America. I do not think the government at any level, state, federal, or local should be able to seize your assets without proving a crime, let alone without charging a crime. And so I really want to work on advocacy reforms for civil forfeiture and as uh, I create more space in my brain healing from this trauma and working to pay off our lawyers. Um, I really want to work to advocate for change with civil forfeiture. Civil forfeiture primarily does not impact folks that look like me who are white. It primarily impacts folks of color across America and immigrant communities and you know, pretty much there's no way to get your assets back. Like when the government took our money, we were told by many people, you are never going to see that money again. And we were able to fight like hell. And I'm a lawyer and like, you know, like my husband's dad's a lawyer. Like we had a lot of resources to bring to bear to this, to maybe not monetarily, but to be able to work, to work the case. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just really want to advocate for reform of civil forfeiture because it's deeply unfair.
1: Well, I hope that we can definitely get the word out for you here on this podcast, which we've done pretty well. We're not huge. We're probably not as big as Rosie, obviously, but but we've been around for two or three years now and have really brought light to a lot of situations. So I really appreciate you coming on.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Sally. I really, really appreciate it. And it's been really great talking to you.
1: All right. Great talking to you as well. And everybody go listen and go follow Amy on TikTok at Amy underscore K underscore Nelson, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. My name is Sally Hendrick. Be sure to visit our website for show notes and more information on how you can inspire others. If you would like to contribute content to our magazine, please apply on our website at shoutyourcause.com.